0: Even after David was designated king of Israel, the Bible did not hide the past of David, and therefore the past of the man who will ultimately be the Messiah. Rather, the Bible emphasizes this past and seeks thereby to teach us, not only about these individuals, but also about the moral capacity that God has given us. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 209, The Startling Sons of Korach. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Imagine Americans singing a patriotic song about the founding, which began with these words, This is a song composed by the descendants of Benedict Arnold. Would that not put a damper on the occasion? Would it not seem to strike a discordant note? And yet the same question could seemingly be asked about several psalms, whose opening connects them to an ancestor in Israelite history who is affiliated with challenging God's revelation. But rightly understood, the beginning of these psalms highlight a theme that is to be found throughout the Bible, one which reflects the Jewish approach to the moral capacity of humanity. Many of the next psalms begin by referencing a group of Levites known as the B'nai Korach, the Sons of Korach. Thus, Psalm 44 starts Lam for the conductor, Livnei Korach of the Sons of Korach. 46 begins in exactly the same way. Psalm 47, is for the conductor of the Sons of Korach, a psalm, Lam Korach Maskil. Whether this means that the Sons of Korach composed these psalms, and it was then incorporated into the book by David, or whether it means that it was composed by David and sung by the Sons of Korach, seems to be debated in the rabbinic literature. But what is clear is that a reference to the Sons of Korach open so many of these psalms. Who is the Korach to whom these psalms allude? We have met him in the book of Numbers. Now Korach, the son of Yitzhar, the son of Kahat, the son of Levi, took. And Datan and Aviram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Pelet, son of Reuben. And they rose up in the face of Moses and certain of the children of Israel. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then do ye place themselves above the assembly of the Lord? Korach here challenges Aaron's right to the high priesthood. He brings a mob, speaks in their name, but it's really about him. Korach is, as we argued in our journey through the Torah, a demagogue seeking to honor himself. But as we also pointed out, Korach is a brilliant demagogue, nevertheless, and he uses reason to put forward his argument. Why, he says, do we need Aaron if everyone is close to God, if God's covenant is with all of us? There are many answers to this argument. The fundamental answer, of course, is because God chose Aaron as high priest, just as he chose the Israelites as his covenantal people. Within the people, God has designated certain roles for certain tribes and for certain individuals. And Moses has been chosen by God to reveal these roles. It is Moses' revelation that Korach challenges. And as punishment, the ground opens up beneath him, and he and his entire entourage are lost. And yet, and yet, we are further informed by the Torah that Uvne Korach Lometu, the sons of Korach, did not die, which seems to indicate that they ultimately refused to take part in their father's rebellion. Thus, the line of Korach continued, and those that are linked to these psalms are indeed descendants of Korach, but are also members of a family that distinguish itself by not following its patriarch's perspective, and thereby avoiding its patriarch's punishment. Still, it is striking that Korach's name is forever affiliated with these psalms, and the exquisite irony, the poetic perfection, must be understood. In contrast to Korach's complaints, the psalms of the sons of Korach lack all hint of grievance. They are hymns to the kingship of God. Thus, here are some verses from Psalm 45. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness, Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with oil of gladness above thy fellows. And the next psalm, God is our refuge and strength and very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved, God shall help her. And that right early. And the next psalm, also affiliated with the Sons of Karach, one which takes center stage on Rosh Hashanah. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord most highest, fearful, he is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose the inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved, Selah. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a shofar. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises unto our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. These are some of the Psalms of the sons of Korach. Now, ladies and gentlemen, consider, Korach was a Levite of the family of Moses, and as Moses makes clear, Korach's rebellion was all the more outrageous, because God had already set apart the Levites for sacred service in the tabernacle. Thus Numbers further informs us. And Moses said unto Korach, here I pray you ye sons of Levi. Seemeth but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And he hath brought thee near to him and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee. And seek ye the priesthood also? Ultimately, one of the Levite's sacred tasks was to sing in the temple, which would mean that the songs of the sons of Korach would be sung by the sons of Korah, thereby highlighting to all Israel. How Korach's family had rejected Korach's perspective. How Korach's family no longer sought the priesthood and had embraced its Levitic position with joy, fulfilling the verses of these psalms. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises unto our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Interestingly, Maimonides makes perhaps an implicit reference back to Korach when he chose in his code of law to phrase is referenced to the Levites in an interesting manner. The Levite is obligated to serve in the temple, Maimonides wrote, bain Ratsa bain lo ratza, whether the Levite wants to or not. The Psalms of the sons of Korah highlight a family that has explicitly overcome its past and has embraced its Levitic position with reverence and delight. These Psalms thus reflect a larger theme in the Bible, which is the notion that the sins of the past do not define us, and indeed are often reversed through the moral capacity with which we are all endowed. In fact, if we look through the Bible, we will find fascinating examples of heroes whose descent are linked to sinful moments in the past, as well as those whose heroism involves an inversion of their family's past. Let's take one example, what I call the scandalous heritage of the Davidic Messiah. A brief study of David's lineage, and therefore of the lineage of his descendant, who is destined to ultimately herald the messianic redemption, reveals an ancestry that has in its past scandal and sin. This is evident already with Judah, David's tribal forebear. The patriarch, Jacob, chose Judah as the forefather of the Israelite monarchy, a designation that passed to Peretz, Judah's heir. Yet, as I pointed out in an article in Azure, Peretz was conceived, it seems, without the purest of intentions. As we saw in our study of Genesis, Tamar, widow of Judah's first two sons and desperate for a child, engaged in deception in order to conceive through Judah pretending to be a prostitute, encountering Judah on the side of the road. This is how Peretz, ancestor of David, came into the world. Then there is David's most famous female ancestor, Ruth, wife of Boaz, who is a descendant of the nation of Moab, a nation whose name, which literally means from father, signifies that its origin stems from the incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughter. Moab is moreover described in the book of Numbers as a dangerous enemy of Israel. It is therefore meant to be striking that David himself, the great hero of Israel, is a descendant of Moab. But this also highlights how Ruth, one of the great figures of the Bible, was herself not defined by her ancestry. Even after David was designated king of Israel, the Bible did not hide the past of David, and therefore the past of the man who will ultimately be the Messiah. Rather, the Bible emphasizes this past and seeks thereby to teach us, not only about these individuals, but also about the moral capacity that God has given us. And there is perhaps an example that provides a truly fitting parallel to the sons of Korach. Just as the sons of Korach descend from a man who rebelled against the elevation of Aaron, Mordechai and Esther were descendants of a biblical figure famous for challenging the election and elevation of another individual. The book of Samuel describes how David, fleeing from his son Absalom, is suddenly stoned by a member of King Saul's house, a man by the name of Shimi ben-Gera, who is angry that the monarchy has been taken away from his own family. David understands these insults as part of God's punishment for what occurred between him and Bathsheba, a subject that we will discuss tomorrow. And David therefore accepts what comes upon him. The book of Samuel recounts, And when King David came to Bahurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimi the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came, and he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Bilial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son, and behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Avishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Teruya? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? David thus accepts the insult of Shimei's treason. Later, however, after regaining the throne, David instructs his heir Solomon to secure their family's future by finding a way to remove Shimei. But Shimei's name appears again in the book of Esther in the description of the ancestry of Mordecai. Now in Shushan the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordechai, the son of Yair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite. Mordechai and his cousin Esther are openly described as descendants of this famous rebel against the Davidic dynasty, descendants of this traitor to the throne. Mordechai and Esther truly are descendants of the Benedict Arnold of Israel. But the Bible does not hide this. It emphasizes it. And thereby, the story of the book of Esther becomes all the more striking. The heroes of this book, Esther and Mordecai, are from the family of Saul. Saul, who, as we saw, was celebrated for external reasons. For the fact that he was a man who looked physically like a king. Saul, who all too often saw the external glorification of monarchy as central to kingship. Saul, who lost the monarchy to David. But here, Esther, a woman of valor, reverses the story. Reverses her own family history. In saving the Jewish people and teaching them to see God's hand, In history, she truly becomes, in the words of the book that bears her name, Esther HaMalka. She truly becomes deserving of the title Esther the Queen. Mordechai and Esther, descendants of Shimi, the singers of Psalms, heroic descendants of Korach. These are not facts to be hidden, but celebrated, so that we see simultaneously the moral capacity of humanity and also the striking spiritual lessons of Jewish history. This is Meir Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.